studying in a Kendri Vidyalaya really makes you very, very egalitarian. You have the child of a general and the child of a sepoy all sitting in the same class, being treated the same way. So that was a very, very good indoctrination in my life, which now when I go back and reflect, I think it has shaped how I treat people. Hi, and welcome to the Insights podcast series from Axel. I'm your host, Anand Daniel. Today, my guest is Meena Ganesh, the co-founder and CEO of Portia. Portia is a leading healthcare provider at your doorstep. Meena has had an illustrious career spanning corporate as well as startup worlds, also spanning multiple industries. Let's hear her story and what has helped her scale across these various environments. What has made her tick? Let's dive right in. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Meena. Excited to be here at Portia. Glad to have you join us to share your story. Uh, thanks, Anand. It's a pleasure to uh, see the other side of you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. A new side. <laughs> yeah, new side. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So, love to start with your background, sure. right? So, uh, starting from your childhood, uh, wherever, mm-hmm. any, everything about Meena that we can't normally read about and learn because there's yeah, so much yeah. written about you as well. Well, I, I grew up, uh, I think, across the country. Uh, my father was in the railways and uh, we moved across multiple locations. From the 5th grade to about 10th grade, I studied in the Kendri Vidyalaya in uh, Kolkata. And I think um, studying in a Kendri Vidyalaya really makes you very, very egalitarian. You'd learn how to respect people from every background because there's no differentiation. You have the child of a general and the child of a sepoy all sitting in the same class, being treated the same way. So that was a very, very good indoctrination in my uh, life, which now when I go back and reflect, I think it has shaped how I treat people. So um, these are government schools for people who don't know Kindri Vidyalaya as well. People yes. from all kinds of backgrounds. That's correct. Attend, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. for the most part, Kindri Vidyala has a lot of people from the armed forces. Yeah. And the one that I studied in was inside uh, Army Cantonment, uh, Fort William. And uh, we had um, mostly people from uh, armed forces. Got it. So your family is originally from where? Which part? Uh, we are from uh, uh, Tamil Nadu. My oh. parents uh, are from, they're no longer there. They were from uh, Tanjavo district. Oh, wow. Okay. And you lived all over and then KVs in, uh, from 6th onwards, you yeah, yeah. So friends all over the country as well. Yeah. From fifth to tenth, I was in a KB. Okay. And uh, thereafter, we moved to Chennai, and I completed my schooling and my undergrad in Chennai, and then I joined uh, IIM uh, Calcutta and uh, did my masters over there. That's great. CSK yeah. or RCB? I don't want to put you on a spot. I know the above. I grew up in Chennai also. So that's great. So and then you went uh, undergrad, and then what happened? Uh, yeah, then after uh, I did my undergrad in BSc, okay. uh, BSc in physics okay. with the very, very strong intention of becoming a physicist. Okay. I thought I would be a nuclear physicist, but uh, I did very well in my schooling. Okay. So I thought, man, I'm set. But yeah. I realized uh, much later yeah. that um, it's one thing to do well in school and perhaps do recently in college. But yeah. you need to have a different mentality to be um in research and to really go after a subject and go deep into that and i realized i'm more of a generalist and uh, it was um 
फॉर्चुअस दैट आई डिड गेट एंटर एडमिशन इन ऑल द थ्री आई एम सिंस चोज आई एम कैलकटा देर ऑल्सो इज अनदर इंटरेस्टिंग स्टोरी रीजन वाई आई जॉइंट आई एम कैलकटा एंड नॉट अहमदाबाद एंड बैंगलोर इन ऑल द थ्री आई हेड एडमिशन इज बिकॉज माई ब्रदर हेड स्टडीड सो ही सेट ओ नो यू कैंट गो टू अहमदाबाद इट्स फर्दर अवे इट्स मोर डिफिकल्ट एंड आई हैव केप्ट mosquito net for you and a bucket for you so you come here <laughs> so that was <laughs> he sold you with the mosquito net and a bucket, bucket. <laughs> so that's how i ended up in i am calcutta and uh, i'm a very proud alumnus of i am calcutta and, and i'm sure the, i am calcutta is proud to have you as an alumnus you. yeah yeah i'm also on the board of governors now of i am calcutta so oh, wonderful. that's my chance to give back to my alumnus that's great we have had other i am calcutta shri harsha majeti like for example yes, was yes, on the yeah. podcast earlier yeah, yeah. and i'm sure there are more i'm missing that's yeah. that's great <laughs> Yeah. So awesome. And then post IIM, uh, uh, how did you think? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I little bit um, of my personal background, I think, is important because sure. I grew up in an environment that uh, women really didn't have careers. My mother was a housewife, and uh, she did a fantastic job of raising us. But there was no question of women having careers on um, uh, my father's side, my mother's side. I look far and wide. There was nobody else who had a career, so it was not something that was expected. Mm-hmm. of course yeah, i was bright so they i was expected to study well do have a good education but career was not something which was uh, planned for and um, uh, not expected i think in a way it was probably a good thing because it gave me so much of freedom to do exactly what i wanted mm. because there were no expectations nobody expected me to do well and grow in my career be ambitious go after this that or the other i just did whatever it came naturally to me and what i enjoyed mm. so there's a degree of um, um likeness when there's no expectation of course there are um, other kinds of issues when uh, the family you know they they turn around and say hey but now that you have kids are you sure those kind of questions start to come up and uh, but uh, i was lucky that i was able to get people around to my point of view that i did want to continue my career in spite of the fact that i was married and had children uh, child number 1 and then later child number 2 at every stage mm-hmm. there was always this little bit of question that were there in people's minds but um, not much in my mind i think and that helped so maybe i want to go a little bit deeper post i am when did you get married and like just walk us through those initial years because the reason i ask is most people i feel fall off the system at that time yeah. right correct me if i'm wrong That's but true. just want to understand that a little bit yes, better yeah yes. yeah well, i got married immediately after i completed my management okay. uh, to a classmate yeah. and um, but my and then oh, ganesh was your classmate that's okay. right okay <laughs> good we need a podcast on that separately <laughs> with ganesh there <laughs> sure, yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah. okay that's fine yeah. and um, okay. um yeah first 5 years i joined nit from uh, uh, from campus and i was there for the first 7 years of my career okay um my uh, first kid was born 5 years after i started to work in 1990 mm-hmm. and um, there was no question in my mind of uh, continuing my career or not mm-hmm. after um, having the first kid Uh, so we had to work around and see how support would be uh, made available etc what i think also helped is the fact that's the time when ganesh decided to start his first company and we had not a single bean in the bank mm-hmm. so there was no choice i had to work so so sometimes um, uh, situations are such that make sure that you don't drop off uh, but Uh, you were so in Bangalore or we were in Delhi at Delhi. Delhi. You had a support ecosystem because my mother-in-law has always been with us, but okay. she was employed and she was a government servant. So okay. we had a little bit of negotiation, and uh, she decided that she would take a slightly early uh, retirement and uh, be at home while we also provide uh, 
other you know maids and all of that but having a family around always has been an enormous support mm-hmm. my mother also has always come in and uh, you know if uh, whatever the need is she was always there to come and spend months together with us to help uh, bring up the children from chennai to delhi from chennai to delhi okay so ganesh started the company and you went back to nit at that yeah, time yeah yeah after 3 months? months after 3 months okay? after 3 that's months. awesome yeah, that's okay it. okay yeah. yeah and then and then you got into the rhythm of Uh, get got back into the yeah, same role. Yeah, I got role, back everything. into the same role yeah. because it was a very short break, and um, uh, I I think within two months I was back doing some work or the other with yeah. my company because I just couldn't yeah. stay quiet. So that connection uh, with my company with the role remained. That's something which I believe is very important. One mm-hmm. of the reasons why a lot of women find it difficult to come back mm-hmm. is that a that gap is too long, mm-hmm. and b during that gap you have no connection mm-hmm. either to your Uh, field or to your company or to the role that you're performing, and you feel really alienated when you come back. Mm-hmm. You feel that everything has moved on, everybody has moved on, and you were stuck where you are. Mm-hmm. So some of those things, uh, it just—I mean—it's not something that the company actively did or I planned in such in a very aggressive manner. It just happened that because I was so keen to come back, mm-hmm. and after a couple of months, I was just right back in and starting to get involved in things. Mm-hmm. It my eased my return into the company. Got what role? What kind of a role were you doing? I was a management consultant, management. Um, IT consultant at that time. Got it. And um, uh, the other beautiful thing in NIT was it was a startup, so they didn't care what your capabilities were and what you were. You were just thrown in the deep end all the time, mm-hmm. and you had to learn a lot of things. So, my first five years of the career uh, shaped me into being an entrepreneur for life, I believe, mm-hmm. because the company was small. They needed. us to do whatever it took to build that business and uh, i learned a lot of, on being a startup person right there got it that's awesome so you had uh, nit first kid and then what was the next move after that yeah, yeah so yeah. after 7 uh, years in nit 1992 93 i moved to pricewaterhouse uh, as a management consultant i worked on a business reengineering and financial reengineering project so it was an interesting move um from a very startup environment of uh, nit where we are learning a lot of things of course in nit i was a consultant then i was also in the in the education part of their business so i used to, i was last job was as a regional head for all the north region um, centers where the classes were held from there so it was highly operational intensive work and then i moved to pricewaterhouse i became an individual contributor again uh, being a management consultant and um, it really brought in i think a lot more of skills on um on analysis on research on reflection some of those skills i think i gained um, uh, being with pricewaterhouse and of course it's a, it was a much more traditional setup so learning uh, how to deal with people from a completely different environment mm-hmm. was also something i learned over there got it And and how long were you there? I was there about two and a half or uh, three years. I don't remember the exact timing, sure. but in that order. Yeah. After that, I joined in 1995. Mm-hmm. I joined uh, Microsoft okay. and to set up a new business unit for them in the area of management um, consulting. They called it Microsoft Consulting Services, and um, I had uh, joined them to set that up. And uh, I was with Microsoft for five years, yeah. um, 95. Uh, sorry, yeah, 95 to 2000, mm-hmm. and um, I did. multiple roles in that uh, company all of which were um, setting up of new business units for them so i set up mcas and i set up uh, their uh, software developer unit and then their internet business unit so there were three big roles the um, second role brought me to bangalore mm-hmm. and uh, so in 1996 uh, i moved to bangalore okay. early 97 
I think uh, that's when I moved to Bangalore and uh, continued uh, with uh, Microsoft. In 1999, my son was born, a mm -hmm. uh, younger one. And um, uh, again, I was back at work. I'm, I'm, literally the day I delivered, I was working till the evening of 5.30 and I went directly to deliver. So I was right there till last moment, came back. Within three months, I was back at work. And um, by then, of course, technology had moved on. So we had email. So I literally within 10 days, I was in email and working, um, getting back in touch with, um, uh, with the people. There's no pressure. It is just that for me, it was that part of my life was equally important as my family was. So mm -hmm. uh, staying in touch was very important. And um, again, that eased my return. Mm -hmm. 1999 is also towards the end of the year is when uh, I started to look at um, uh, starting up something and uh, uh, 2000 March is when we started customer asset. Okay. Um, so there was a small baby, six, eight month old baby and uh, startup uh, we baby. had a full yeah, <laughs> full time job with yeah. Microsoft on yeah. night we used to sit and make the business plan and uh, uh, weekend we used to do that. So yeah. you started with Ganesh, right? So yeah. Ganesh, so, that's really, ha, so, yeah. so what happened was that um, it, I think February of that year is when we had sort of finalized. There were two, three others. All of us got together, and every weekend we used to meet, uh, think about what exactly we're going to do, put the plans together, and all that. And Ganesh used to come and uh, help us uh, thinking it through. He was still with uh, Bharti British Telecom at that time. Okay. He had exited his uh, first startup at and he had taken up a role of a CEO of Bharti British Telecom in uh, Bangalore. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so he used to come and work alongside the three of us who were others, uh, three other founders who are looking at this space. Mm -hmm. And um, we had to go and pitch to a um, VC. And as we were going to the VC to pitch, we said, but who could we position as the CEO? We looked around and said, Ganesh, you. He was not even part of the force. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, we came. <laughs> yes, he, uh, but he knew the story of the and brainstormed with you. Yeah, right. yeah. So oh, that's okay. how he, we yeah. recruited him. So okay. to the <laughs> on, the fourth, fly. <laughs> on the fly. On the fly, become the fourth uh, founder. Then, uh, of course, the rest is history. We went, raised money. We built the company. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, interesting twists and turns along mm -hmm. the first startup uh, customer asset we when we started it the idea was to build a company which was going to support internet startups so i said we would sit here in india and deliver that support for them and then we started to pitch we used to go to the us pitch to various companies but that was also the time when we had the first um, internet bust mm -hmm. so by the time we used to go for the second pitch companies would no longer be there. So literally companies which were ready to give us business shut used down. to just shut down. And it was uh, quite a traumatic experience for us. We had zero business. The whole thesis was uh, gone. So we had to go back to the drawing board and determine what we would be. And that's how we uh, set up the BPO company because that's uh, that was a direction that some of the other startups were moving. So we decided that we would set up a call center. Very difficult at that time because the Indian infrastructure was very, very rudimentary at that time. So it was challenging but anyway we set it up but what was also important to note that what we raised for was for an internet startup what we needed money for was a, um, so, a call center yeah. services which was a very um, a much more um, capital intensive so there was uh, so there was a mismatch in that but anyway we did a decent job we built the business and uh, uh, we also had uh, September 11 hit us really hard mm -hmm. and uh, we were just about to close around when September 11 happened. So we were literally out of money, but 
we weathered that everybody stuck with us and um, we built the business and then sold it to icici a few years later mm-hmm. and uh, after exiting that i went back to a corporate role with tesco and set up tesco's hindustan service center in india as founding ceo mm-hmm. and all their outsource um, offshore technology and uh, uh business processes were uh, set up over here another very interesting 5 years very very different kind of a company had done no outsourcing whatsoever everything was done in house in uh, in uh, uh, chesant in london mm-hmm. uh, near london so from that for that company to take some really core and we didn't we decided not to go for the low hanging call center and basic data processing none of that we said we'll take things which matter Mm-hmm. and only those we will bring otherwise all this effort is not worth it so we brought in um, very complicated technology pieces which were the heart and soul of the company including things like supply chain management etc for a retail company that's really the heart um uh, building uh, uh, designing stores determining how to lay out various stores where should store be set how should they be designed that those kind of things a lot of financial processes um those were the things that we brought uh, into india and uh, set up the uh Tesco HSC in Bangalore mm-hmm. spent 5 years and uh, then um, got back into being a star in the startup space again with Tutor Vista mm-hmm. uh Ganesh had already started Tutor Vista at that time and it was about a year and a half down the road that they were and I joined them as a co-founder uh, to look at the uh, the India aspect of Tutor Vista so uh, what Tutor Vista was doing at that time was predominantly um US and uh, UK facing company uh, providing online tutoring services using Indian teachers for the students in that space mm-hmm. which was going very well but we said what should be the India model and we realized that the same model in India was not going to work because uh, internet, and this was 2008 yeah 2008 internet penetration was still very quite poor <laughs> and uh, not enough to uh to sustain a business uh, which was completely you know internet or mobile mobile penetration had also not taken off the way it is today mm-hmm. so we decided not to go down with the online tutoring route in india mm-hmm. but what we did was to see where is the money being spent in the education sector so I looked at a completely different uh route for india uh, said okay first let's look at schools what do schools need how do we improve the quality of education in schools using technology so that was the primary um uh, focus that we started with so towards that end we acquired a small company called eduride which had a lot of digital content mm-hmm. uh, and you know shrikant ayer of, of course. course he came on board along with that and uh, so together we then uh, built that out and uh, at uh, peak we had before we sold the company i had i think about 4000 odd schools across the country were using our platform which is a combination of content and uh, technology uh, uh, infrastructure so that was a that was one piece then we looked at uh, um, outside of school uh, tutoring and set uh, looked at what kind of space is that and is there a technology play there and set up uh, tutoring centers called deterite tutorials then as you we were doing this we said you know but we've learned a lot around this how about that we look at the schools as a whole and that's when the setting up of schools came up and we created a school management capability and offering mm-hmm. um so the there was there was the 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 entire educational aspect of it how should a how should the curriculum be designed how should the teaching be done how do teachers get trained how do teachers be managed then of course running the school the infrastructure the admin part of it 
and the financial part, put all these three capabilities together and started to run schools. Okay. So uh, we did not invest in the physical infrastructure of the school. So we would partner with people who had either existing schools and they wanted to uh, improve the quality of the school drastically. And we would come in and uh, do the school management for them, mm -hmm. just like a uh, you know, hotel, all the hotel management uh, uh, business work like that. You know, you marry it comes and puts its entire management on somebody else's uh, uh, infrastructure. So, school building would be somebody's, and we ran, we ran the school for them. Yeah, the entire thing, into it. everything, oh, including the education, marketing, mm -hmm. admin, the whole whole works was ours. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, so we had about 35 schools um, and uh, with about 35,000 students across all these schools was the size of what we were doing. And in uh, 2011, we sold the company to Pearson and uh, uh, we uh, continued to work and um, for two more years. So till 2013, we had a lock-in and we worked through the transition and handed over the business to Pearson completely in 2013 and exited. Got it. Wow. That's an amazing journey so far. We haven't talked about Portia. And you've gone through so many different industries. I want to come back to that at some point. Yeah. But let's switch gears and start, talk about Portia. Sure. Right? So yes. how did you come up with the idea and then maybe the early phases? Sure. The, yeah. So in 2013, um, around February is when we exited. And um, looking at um, what are the different areas that we could focus on in India. Uh, in the meantime, in 2011, we had already started uh, what we now call as growth story as a you know venture builder platform is what we uh, like to call it where a lot of I new ideas of um, areas where we believe that the next set of opportunities come we wanted to put together our business plans bring in teams and, um, and do some seed funding but the idea is not the funding the idea is the idea that this is our business plan and we are the promoters of these incubate so, ideas almost right not or, incubate actually uh, execute build, the ideas execute. okay so, for instance, Big Basket was uh, one of the early ones and Bluestone, these two had started already in 2011. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2013, uh, I was looking at something which could have been the same model as that. Wherein the idea is ours, uh, the, we are promoters, we get in a team who then executes. But I said that I also want to still remain in an execution uh, mode rather than get into just a strategy and support mode. Mm -hmm. So... For me, the healthcare sector felt like uh, there was still a lot of disruption to be done in that space. Uh, I wanted to focus on that area. But when I studied healthcare, I realized that there's a lot of investment that has happened in the provider space. Uh, many, many hospitals of different hues and shades have come up, multi, single, very um, high to quaternary care and all of those things. So said that what is it that's outside of hospitals and what else uh, do people need? So that's how the whole idea of Portia came, that there's still a lot of support that people need outside of hospital as far as healthcare is concerned. And there is no um, single brand, there's no well-known entity which pulls all these together and makes life easy for uh, customers in the in their healthcare journey. So that's how Portia came up. And um, initially, of course, we we thought it would be more of a um, more of a, a aggregator of various services 
that patients need but as we went through went down the line we realized that this is this is really you need a, a full stack service over here mm -hmm. it is not good enough to say that i will send you a physio home and you figure out with them whatever you need that's not that's that model is not the right model for medical or for the healthcare space so that's how this whole um a new uh, that, that's how the whole thought emerged that we will put together all that it takes to provide a complete comprehensive service for a patient and in uh, late 2013 is when we got the whole initial business plan and raised the first round and axel of course uh, has always been uh, a great partner for us in many of our startups and uh, we were kind of, they were kind enough to invest in us right in the beginning along with venturies and um, Qualcomm also came in with a small uh, contribution to that initial round so that so in 2014 is when the journey really started we uh, it was um, it was a big learning i don't know anything about the medical yeah. or healthcare sector mm -hmm. other than the fact that i've been a user of that mm -hmm. i don't know anything else um but also uh, i have been a, uh, i think a super user of that because i had looked after my father who just um, uh, gone through uh, 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 treatment on cancer and uh, there was a lot of uh, challenges that i experienced outside of hospital and, and so i know and knew that there was something which was missing here and that we could probably put together mm -hmm. um we worked with a lot of hospitals the first six months of 2013 i think from july onwards all i did was to talk to lots and lots of hospitals people in the medical sector doctors um medical technology providers except just to understand what is the need and where are the problems and uh, that helped me to understand that it's not enough to just put the capability together but the ecosystem is going to play a very important role mm -hmm. we have to work in a manner with the ecosystem that is not combative that is not uh, that is uh, very collaborative so that was uh, that was a very clear Uh, learning out of my various in, uh, interactions with the sector so right from day one we ensured that um, while we go directly to consumers and we did a lot of work around that uh, through digital marketing and various routes to get consumers to talk to us directly but we uh, from day one we had tie-ups with hospitals to be their healthcare partner to, to be their home care partner for delivering the continuum of care so that that was an interesting journey because um, it was the first time that somebody was going to the hospitals and say we will take your patient away and manage them and that's a very scary thought for a hospital what's going to happen to my patient firstly will you do a good enough job uh, because it's going to reflect back on me and two will you take my patient away and then hand them off to somebody else so those are absolutely legitimate fears and uh, because uh, hospitals spend a lot of money to get a patient in and for that patient to then walk away elsewhere is their worst nightmare they do not want that to happen got it And and so the, you started in two thousand thirteen, brand new area. You learned through all this. Maybe walk us through some of the scaling uh, nuances in healthcare. What, sure. what are some of the things there? Sure, it's a it, right um, there. The, there were many challenges because the first time somebody is trying to disrupt this space and provide a um, a, a quality solution in the outside of hospital care. which means at home mostly or? mostly at home yeah. sometimes at at uh, office okay. or through technology okay but uh, it's uh, healthcare is associated with the uh, facility okay. i mean that's how it has been all this while traditionally yeah. traditionally either it's a hospital or it's a clinic or a lab or whatever nobody thinks of healthcare being delivered outside at your home with of the same quality mm -hmm. so creating that 
confidence in the customer's mind that this is good quality healthcare that that's coming to your place was a very big um, challenge for us. So, like I, I talked to you about hospital, them working with hospital, what was the challenge that we had to overcome? Likewise, with patients, you have to overcome the challenge that this is good. This is something you don't have to rush to the hospital. It comes to you, it is good. Mm -hmm. And it is a very um, affordable. It's not more expensive than the hospital. It's, if anything, cheaper and good quality and managed in a medically um, a tight manner. Uh, so that, that was a change that had to go in their minds. The third aspect is, of course, the supply. Mm -hmm. Making sure that doctors, nurses, physiotherapists, all of those look at this also as a career option is something which we struggled with. And um, today, of course, it's seen as a legitimate uh, career option. It wasn't so at all. Mm -hmm. The other piece in when it, uh, talking about supply was this whole uh, nursing attendant or bedside attendant requirement. A lot of patients require continuous uh, support, which is not necessarily medical in nature. They need someone to help them with their daily activities, especially a lot of elders or um, people who have post-operative uh, recovery requirements. They need all the medical help, your physiotherapist, nurse, doctor, all of that. But they also need the medical, the non-medical bedside or nursing attendant. And that carter does not exist in India. So literally over the last five years, we have created that carter in this country. And of course, uh, people like us, we hire thousands and thousands of them every year. And uh, it's become a, a legitimate uh, What's the scale option. of Portia for the audience? Like whatever you can share. Currently, point. we have close to about 4,000 uh, staff across the country okay. in uh, 16 locations. Awesome. Okay, great. And... and um, uh, any other challenges from scaling in healthcare, which is different from your previous uh, journeys, like anything specific to healthcare that uh, I'm sure there are lots, but what is top of mind? I see the, uh, I think the supply chain in healthcare is much more difficult because uh, the, there is always a paucity of uh, doctors and nurses. It's not something which is special to home healthcare. It is, that's the way, that's the way the market is. It's very difficult to get good quality uh, medical people and make sure that they deliver a good job. So this scaling becomes that much more difficult when supply is always something that you have to work on. It's not, uh, it's not something which is out there for you. The, to, the people, the, yeah. the nurses, every, yes, everyone. Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, the other piece which for for us or for home healthcare is. Uh, uh, I would say different is that it's not covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, hospital care tends to be covered by insurance. Of course, only 35% of people are covered by insurance. But even in that, um, home health care is not covered. So it's always out of pocket. So that makes it more difficult for people to um, to to fund it. So that's another uh, challenge for this industry. Of At course. this point over time, hopefully that will also yeah. change. Right? Yeah, that's great. This is awesome. The, the journey has been amazing so far. So I want to switch gears and talk about some of the learnings, right? So you've scaled across industries from your own startups, like before that NIT, and then your own uh, customer uh, asset startup, right? In BPO, and then education startup, and then healthcare. So maybe, first of all, how do you pick these? Like, how do you, like any pattern recognition? You have growth story through which. Yes. So let's start with that. Any suggestions for people? Or, or your own learnings from that, right? How yes. are you picking opportunities? Yeah. So, um, my um, the way I look at it now, I mean, some of it is uh, opportunistic, whatever happened. But um, over the last five, six years, at least, whatever we are doing is more deliberate. Mm -hmm. um, so, we are looking at uh, spaces where we believe that 
there is a very large problem to be waiting to be solved is there a is there a need gap are people willing to pay for that problem that they need uh, to be solved and if you come up with a solution will people miss it if that solution is taken away so that's from a um, need gap uh, quantification perspective the second thing for me is always is it is it aligning with our own uh, strengths if we are not technology gurus who can come up with something very um, innovative in a whole new product but uh, what we can do is we understand consumer behavior we understand how to fulfill their needs we know how to use technology to run very large operations you know how to scale we know how to build teams that can deliver really good quality outcome for customers so how do we align the opportunity with our capabilities mm. a third is um, is this something that uh, can become very large is it big enough does it make big enough impact on people's life that is something which is also important given that we are in at this stage of our careers this that becomes a very important uh, consideration got it these are, these are all good benchmarks putting opportunity size and the fitment with strength and the eventual impact that it can have right yes. so that that's great good framework and for you personally as a founder what have been some of the uh, like some of the learnings as as you scaled over time uh, key takeaways yeah. and some of the resources or people you have helped or whatever that you can talk about yeah yeah well um when i started as the founder of co-founder of customer asset i think i was extraordinarily immature and naive when it came to startup as a i had done really good work in a corporate sector but moving out of the uh, the comfort zone and the structure of corporate into a startup environment is uh, very different and um, there was a lot of learning you, you we had to do literally anything and everything to make it work and that was a um that really changed me i think because um, no 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 longer can you depend on some an invisible hand somewhere in the corporate structure to make things happen for you everything is either you do it or it doesn't get done yeah so that was something which was a huge learning mm -hmm. the second for me was Uh, because i ran the entire operations of um, uh, of that uh, of the bpo company was about building large teams mm -hmm. um in in whether it is in um, microsoft or pricewaterhouse or nit the team structures were there but they were all small teams here i had thousands of people so building that kind of a structure uh, layered structure making sure that everybody is aligned towards uh, the goal and going through very difficult times of not paying people salary but still asking them to do a really good job mm -hmm. that was another uh, learning uh, you know uh, annealing through fire i would say literally mm -hmm. um in uh, so in in terms of uh, how do you keep your team together how do you build a great team and how do you keep them together there, there was a big learning there mm -hmm. and of course i've always uh, had comfort with technology but when the technology is what your business depends on mm -hmm. and that in the country was the infrastructure was extraordinarily poor finding ways around that uh, was something very interesting for me to learn because mm -hmm. we had a cto he did he was the primary driver in that but constantly looking at how do you overcome the gaps that are there in the system the, the world around you to still deliver a really good experience that was a big learning for me also in my first startup um thereafter the next one um uh, tutor vista, tutor vista yeah. uh, i think um, that and in uh, in in uh, uh, potia as well it's the domain that i have learned mm -hmm. i learned huge amounts about the education and the uh, healthcare sector both of which were absolutely unknown to me 
only knew it as a user rather than as somebody who's worked in that. Mm -hmm. So the the amount of learning that I've done is uh, is incredible, and that has again and again brought me back to the point that uh, most important thing that goes for all of us is our ability to learn and ability to change. Mm -hmm. And if that is not um, core to you, then you would really struggle to grow in your life. whether you're in a corporate job or you're a startup person your willingness to uh, to to shed a lot of your ego and say i can learn from anybody and everybody and do whatever it takes to uh, to become capable of delivering whatever you're promising i think that's the biggest um, takeaway for me over the last few startups that i have done and very exciting because every day you're learning something new yeah and you also work with a lot of founders right that's so right, yeah. but isn't it obvious to most people that it's important to learn and change or do you think that's a uh, it's a tough skill for people it is yeah. uh, see what happens is that uh, even uh, even if you're in a completely new area of startup mm-hmm. you go and you may go in with a lot of preconceived notions of how things should work or how this industry would work if especially if you came with an industry background mm-hmm. if you don't have an industry background of course you go with a completely open uh, open mind what happens though even then people tend to take positions in that that this is what i have come up with and this is great this is the right thing for the industry but what i have learned is that there's no such thing as absolutely perfect the whichever company we have uh, built has taken so many different directions and so many different uh, uh, changes have come about uh, that dynamism and flexibility mm-hmm. is something which i believe is the most important thing um, that i have learned out of all this and what prepared you for that or what uh, were you always flexible and willing to change or is it a mindset you always had or you had to develop yeah. i think um, as such the, that's something which is um, i would say a genetic flaw mm-hmm. in me is that i get bored with uh, something which is very very predictable mm-hmm. and something i think i know then i am i feel that this yes, i'm missing something if i know something really well mm-hmm. i have to find out what is it i am missing why is it that i think i know so that is something uh, so you willing to always look for and find data and, and then change yes, based on that yes. and, and i've seen many of the entrepreneurs i've chatted with in the series talk about the same yes. thing willingness to change any other um, any other key skills that you picked up over time that you think have helped you be a successful founder leader yeah i think the the ability to look at the 30000 feet but then come down into the trenches and uh, work alongside your uh, colleagues and do what the the base ground level work uh, the ability and the willingness to do that i believe is very very important at least that's that's the strength that i carry and hence i think it is important yeah. maybe somebody else will tell you that something else is important but i feel this is important because i am very um, comfortable doing maybe um la- last question on my side as you've been business world's most influential women and multiple times fortune has feature- featured you as the most powerful and that's 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 amazing congratulations on the same for the women uh, leaders who are listening in what what are some of the things that you have practiced or you would recommend uh, that, that that has helped you so you know after i think a few years of my career i moved on from uh, calling myself a woman I started to call myself a professional and in my head try to move away from that I am a woman I need this or I I'm, I'm looked at it uh, looked at in this particular manner because of my gender I think it's important for people to keep that aside early on in their career otherwise 
whatever happens around you you tend to put that color in uh, over there you're looking at things with that tinted glasses and thinking that the environment around you is behaving with you in a certain manner because of your gender most most often they're not it's because of you as an individual or as a uh, professional your performance is being valued or not valued and you're getting your breaks or not getting the breaks because of your capability and your attitude rather than necessarily your gender so that was something which i think uh, it's a switch uh, in your head. it was a it's switch in my head said, which yeah. i had to go through which uh, luckily i went uh, through early in my career otherwise i'm sure i would have Did someone guide back. you for that, or is it like just someone? There were no. Yeah, I like, mean, there's so few no, women at that time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. who would guide us? Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, at the family level, there were there was no guidance on this. But uh, yeah. even at the corporate level, there were very few women in those days. And um, um, any meetings that you went in for, you would be the only woman. You would go visit a corporate, uh, sit in their boardroom. You're the only woman. So that's how it was. So, so I mean, so in fact, I think it helped because the moment you realize that. you know you have to be one you have to be you're a professional and frankly and not keep on playing the woman card i think it it got i got me further got <laughs> so that was something that was i think an important learning second um especially when you have children um you need to then uh, deeply prioritize what are the few things that are important for you it's okay uh, the health and the well being and the emotional uh growth of your children is absolutely that's top priority for me it has always been whatever i do or not but so along with that there is career okay everything else has to get deprioritized okay so how do you prioritize so uh, deeply such that the most important things you are able to give all your attention to and not get um not get into the trap of feeling guilty mm. if you prioritize these two things are important both are important and i'm going to somehow make both of them work then you just put your best foot for both of those and not keep on um uh, second guessing am i doing because of my children am i uh, doing a poor job in my career and because of my career am i being a poor mother you cannot second guess yourself you're saying these two are important i'm doing my best and that's it i'm not going to judge myself i'm just going to go ahead and do the best so that was some that's something i think is important because still women even in today's day when i speak to them they say um i feel guilty what should i do about it so in <laughs> there is only one answer you have to just move beyond that and stop judging yourself and yeah. do the best don't be too harsh on yourself do your best right? do, yeah. yeah so on that context also i think it's equally important to make sure that the environment around you is supporting you uh, so for which you need to reach out make everybody around you know that this is this is something priority for you and that you need you need seek their help and invariably i think people do rise up to the occasion and support you when you need that is it work or home or both you talk about both be open to asking for help be open to asking for help yeah. don't think you have to do it all alone don't think you're a superwoman mm -hmm. you are none of that you're mm -hmm. just a simple uh, individual who's trying to balance many things and you need help ask for it don't feel bad about it got it anything any mentorship or any any other things that has helped you in in that regards in this particular thing yeah um not specifically on um balancing life and all that but because like i said there were few of women around that to give any guidance because i've had a few uh, women uh, leaders in wherever i worked and uh, i did uh, i would look at uh, look up at them but nobody's had a heart to heart conversation hey do this it's more my own journey and more a learning but that said there are a lot of people that along the journey not necessarily on managing life 
from that perspective but from a career perspective i have learned from enormous number of people across the journey from my first job till now i continue to learn from people from the industry from my investors from my employees uh, from ganesh i just uh, have in huge amount of support everywhere yeah that that's amazing so th- this has been an amazing journey i, I think you still on the rise here so with with portia and hopefully that that turns out to be an amazing story as well yeah, so thank you. thank you so much for your time it's been extremely helpful thanks thanks yeah it was a pleasure hope you enjoyed the podcast it was great to learn about meena's journey through corporate life as well as multiple successful startups in now building portia and her lessons on scaling as a founder were also invaluable Thanks for joining the podcast. If you have any feedback for us, do tweet us at axel_india. And if you want to check out more podcasts from the Insights podcast series, please visit insightspodcast.in. Thanks and see you back soon.